Here's Charlene Steinkamp. Bob did come to me before our divorce. Our divorce was in January, and he came to me before Thanksgiving and said, let me come to Thanksgiving, and let's just try to work it out. I'm sorry. I've I've repented with God. I don't want... I'm sorry I did all I did. And, and let's just start over. We've started over. It's worked always before. Let's start over. And because of my hardness of heart, because of my lack of knowledge, because I didn't know the word as well as I should have, I became very bitter and very angry. And I said, no. No, you can't come for Thanksgiving. You, and he stayed by himself at the motel the first Thanksgiving to the point that his parents went down that night and he was found in a bar and thought he, they thought he was going to do something drastic because of me rejecting him so badly. I have repented of that many, many times and I know I'm forgiven, but I think that makes us realize how we become so hard-hearted so easily, so quickly by circumstances. And if we don't know God's word, we become blinded and deceived. And that's where some of your men and women of God that, that were Christians or were walking with the Lord got tempted and became hard-hearted due to something. Something happened. They were tempted by the enemy. So we need to judge not unless we want to judge. You know, we don't want to be judgeable. Don't judge your spouse. Just pray for them. Pray that the Lord will speak to them in so many different ways to have them come back home or to soften their heart to let you back into the house. What has the Lord been saying to you? You didn't find us by accident. You, there was some way, somehow, that God or- orchestrated that you found us and found our ministry. And, and that's where I say start there. Start how you found us. Start how the Lord started speaking to you. And go back and take that and write it down and start writing a journal so that you can look forward to what the Lord is wanting to show you, the map, the new pathway that he wants to take you on. He is calling you. I believe that there are going to be marriage ministries and people working long, long after Bob has died and I'm going to be dead and our kids will be gone. There's going to be marriage ministries over and over because we're going to stomp out divorce in the United States and around the world because our church and our God wants it. And, and we've got pastors and men of God that are speaking up and preaching the word of God. Lori's pastor did a whole series about divorce is not the option, guys. We need to, get, we need to work on our marriages. And, and he did an excellent um, series on it. And, it it's not, and he said, you know what? The ones that have made mistakes or whatever, I'm not judging you, but let's teach God's word and not keep it a secret for the ones that we need to rebuild marriages. We need to restore marriages. We need to, to uh, know that God is the God. of He can do anything. So Jeremiah 33.3 is, how do I know that he speaks? Well, first, you, Jeremiah 33.3, and I do suggest there are some scriptures that you just need to memorize and, and one of them is Jeremiah 33.3. 3, Call to me and I will answer you. It's an awesome promise. I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. If there's any doubt of what you're supposed to be doing, 
Call to the Lord, cry out to him, and he will show you great and unsearchable things. Uh, he will answer you. And throughout the Bible, we have had God speak over and over from Genesis to Revelation. And I cannot take you all through those chapters tonight, but I can guarantee you and tell you that God does speak. And if you don't have that relationship yet with him, seek it tonight. Start crying out to say, Lord, I want you to speak to me. I want to hear you. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, let me just go there real quick. And let us just understand that God does speak to us. He speaks to his children. In John 10, it says that you will know my voice. So he is not going to be a secret to you. And he's going to guide and direct your steps. In verse 27, it says, Go near and listen to all that the Lord our God says. Then tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you, and we will listen and we will obey. But when the Lord speaks to you, there's the next option. Are we going to obey what he tells us to do? Are we going to stand and fight for our marriage? Are we going to do this or we're going to do that? And he's going to tell us many different things of areas that we need to work on. Deuteronomy 5, verses 27 and 28 and 29. But the point is, he's going to tell us, I'm, you know what, I've got your attention. So I want to change you first and not your spouse. So since I've got you here, can, can I just start dealing with you? Well, the Lord really, really had a lot of work to do on me. So he did an overhaul on me. And uh, I must say, that's the way it started. So... I want to tell you, I want to get Bob home before I rush through some scriptures. But two months before, um, and you can turn to Isaiah 62 while you're, I'm telling a story. God spoke to me through Isaiah, a lot of scriptures in Isaiah. But he spoke to me. And I would get depressed or discouraged. Now, I wouldn't get depressed, but I would say discouraged because I could not see or hear anything coming out of Bob's mouth that was evident. But I just couldn't ever see anything. So I just kept saying, well, if I don't see it, I, how can I know that behind that mountain of circumstances that God is moving? Well, that's the word faith that you and I need. But... Back in uh, when I was standing, I was on a Sunday, and I was crying out, and I, the, Bob had the children. And you know, when Bob has the children or you don't have the children, mothers, you know, it's a little bit difficult. And I'm not, and then the fathers have it really difficult. They don't have them usually throughout the week. So I'm, I'm not a man to be able to say how bad it is, but I can imagine how bad it is. But Isaiah 62 the Lord gave me a scripture, and it said, and this was on May uh, 2nd, 80, 1987, at 3 p.m., and it said, verse 2, The nations will see your righteousness, and all kings your glory, and you will be called by a new name, that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted, or your, or your name, your land, desolate, but you will be called Halzebah and your land Beulah. For the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. And as that just leaped off the page, I said, hallelujah, because I'm divorced right now. And here is scripture out of all scriptures 
that it says that I'm going to, my marriage, my marriage land will be married. So I wrote down, as I did back then, as I tell you all the journal, I wrote down the time. And then I read on in it, in verse 6, it says, I've posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourself no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. And you know what? That was the Lord saying to me, there are other people praying for you and Bob, but this is a scripture that I have been praising and, and saying for all of you. There are people around the world praying for each other. Standers around the world are praying for you over here and you're praying for people around the world. We do it every week. We, you know, we've got a lady gonna bring her daughter from Brazil. You know what? God can take that prayer and we can move it anywhere. And we need to pray for others, not for ourselves. When we stop looking at ourselves and our problems, God can move the mountain. Never did I ever dream that two months later, Bob would knock on my window and we would then have Bob go to the rest. We would go to the, get our license. We didn't need to do blood work. And he says, if I give you a license, put it in your Bible and just keep it there. And I'm thinking, you're planning a wedding. How are you going to get married when I've got a license and the other woman needs a license, you know? But I did not have a phone to ask all these questions or text anybody. And so I just sat there and listened and I zipped my lips, which as you all know, is what the Lord told me for two years. Zip your lips. When he comes to the house, pick up the kids and he comes in the house and sits down. Be quiet. Don't start arguments. Keep peace, you know, and I, I changed. The Lord changed me, and, you know, he noticed the difference, and the bottom line is for him to say he'd give me a license to put in there, we knew the Holy Spirit was moving on him. We went to a restaurant, which happened to be his girlfriend's favorite. I hated it, but that was just a personal opinion, especially when he told me, do you like it? So-and-so really likes it. And I thought, well, she doesn't have the same taste as I do. But I said, okay. But I thought, at least I'm here and she's not, you know. So that's big points. So anyway, he's, I got up and I thought, I got to go to the bathroom and I got to pray. So I, because I don't know what to say and what to do. And here he is saying, stop praying for me. And I don't know what's going to happen. And I just went in the bathroom and I just cried out and said, Lord, I don't know what you want to do. I don't know what your plan is, but your will be done. And please speak so loud to me that I know what to do. And so I went back to the table and Bob said, man, I've made a mess of my life. I have messed up my life so bad. I've wrecked the kid's life. I've wrecked your life. I've made a mess of so many other people's lives for these last two years. And God has just spoken to me. And he says, I've never had God speak to me like this. And he says, I'm to marry you this afternoon. I need to come home now. So, I, I, and he started crying and repenting and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can I come home? I know you've been praying for me, but can I come home? And can you call the pastor and see if he's there this afternoon and we could get married? And that's what we did. 
we sat there and I just barely could eat. And he is talking about what we need to do. And the pastor wasn't, it was, he got me get up. I called and I said to the secretary because she knew what I was doing. I said, my miracle of marriage restoration is here. And I said, is the pastor going to be back? And he said, yes, two o'clock. Come after two o'clock. I said, okay. So anyway, after two o'clock, Bob and I got in the car and we called up our kids to try to get them there in the summertime where they were at. And the only one that couldn't be there was Tim because he was working. And uh, Lori and Tom were there and we got remarried in the pastor's office that afternoon. We then went to Bob's mom. Their to God be the glory. To God be the glory. And so we then, Bob's parents literally live on the next street over on the corner. So we went over there and said, um, guess what? Bob walks in. I don't walk in. But I walk behind him because I'm the one that divorced them. And I've had to repent many times to his parents for how horrible that I didn't give up. I gave up on God and had to rest. The Lord restored that relationship before we got married. But anyway, Bob walked in. He says, hey, Mom and Dad. And they said, he said, guess what I did this afternoon? And, he, and his mother, who at first thought I was crazy and the whole thing was crazy, and, and, and she goes, you married Charlene. And I said, he did. I said, we just got remarried. And she goes, I knew it was going to happen. I knew the way you kept talking and saying you were going to wait forever, sooner or later Bob was going to come home. And so we then went out that night. We left them, went back to the office where I told all our doctors, all the employees that I had been standing for because I was the administrator of a doctor's office. And I said, guess what? He's home. And so they went and got cake and got all the party stuff. And we had a party at 5 o'clock after the place closed. And we had a celebration with many doctors that had seen us go through the fire and give up and me divorce my husband and then me come back and say, okay, I made a mistake and repent and tell all the doctors how bad I did as a Christian. And then they saw Bob come home. And then they saw many, many years afterwards his books that they saw that he would write to people. Nothing is impossible with your marriage. Nothing. I can tell you, I can go through all these circumstances, but God is saying, I am bigger, I am greater, that there is nothing too hard. Do not let the enemy defeat you. Do not let the circumstances, do not let the devil's lies defeat you because the devil is a liar. He's the father of all lies, lies and he wants you to give up. He wants you to believe that it's, all the circumstances are impossible. Don't. And it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. That's where you are tonight. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, not part of it. You can't just be half standing, half dating, half here, half there. 
He wants you to sell out to him, believing for marriage restoration. You wear your ring, you act married, you live married. So that you, if your spouse happens to walk into a restaurant, you're not sitting with a woman or a man and your husband walks in and you've got to explain who you're with, you know. I didn't put myself in that situation. I did one time and I learned what the devil could do to me. And, and I think it was in the, recently it was written in the devotional. But the devil will try to trick you up. And if you have got to live an upright Christ blameless life as a Christian because the devil wants to trip you up and have your reputation get ruined because he wants to destroy you. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy all Christians. He's out to destroy the world. He wants to defeat. He thought he defeated Jesus and he's still trying, but Jesus overcame. He was victorious. He arose. He's alive. And so we have got to come to the point that we believe the scriptures. And I probably am going to do a series on this because, or do a series of CDs on this because the scriptures that I have are awesome. And God's word never returns void. It says in Proverbs chapter 16, to man belongs the plans of the heart, but, come, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. Verse 2, all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Verse 3 is awesome. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Verse 9 in Proverbs 16. In his heart, a man plans his course, but God, but the Lord determines his steps. Can we believe God's word? Verse, uh, Proverbs 19, flip over two pages. Verse 21. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Do you get that one? You know what? Your spouse, or you could be thinking anything, but it says it's the Lord's purpose, the Lord's plan that prevails. He is going to win. He will be victorious. Now, I want to tell you, it says, Ephesians 6 says, that your battle is not against flesh and blood. And that's what we got to remember. We have got to remember that we keep calling the enemy our spouse, our husband, our wife, our children that are in drugs or alcohol or whatever. It is not them. It's the enemy that's come to steal, kill, and destroy in John 10.10. 10. But in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, finally, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We can take a stand against the devil's tricks and schemes. But it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And that was one of the scriptures God gave me. It's not your spouse's name where it says, for our struggle is not against Jane or Sue or Brian or whoever. It's not against them. But it says, but 
it says our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. And you need to put it on now, every day, on your children, on your family, and you need to put it on for the rest of your life because you don't know if your husband or your wife or your children or even if they're grown or your grandchildren have done it, so I continue to do it. And you need to also because we are fighting a battle, but we've got victory. We all have eternal life. When we accept the Lord, we have eternal life. Bob had a glorious homecoming and had a glorious time. Even though he fought cancer, he did so many things at the end of talking to different people and writing different things. But you know what? He had peace at the end, and he was ready to go. So we need to start asking. We need to start seeking and then we need to keep knocking, as it says in Matthew 7. You know what? A lot of people will, you'll hear somebody say, ask, seek, and knock, and stop. You ask once, that's all you have to do. Well, no. The Lord says, keep asking, and keep, it says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So do unto others as you would have them do to you. You need to treat your wife or husband or children like that. So I'm going to continue on now because I'm running out of time and I'm going to say we need to know and study God's word. Our, in Hosea 4.6 it says, my people perish for lack of knowledge because we don't know God's word. And when we start to study it and we start reading it, all of a sudden, the light bulb is going to go off, and you are going to see and understand God's word. Yes, it's going to be like manna to you like it was to the Israelites. It's going to come alive, and God is going to speak, and he's going to show you what he needs to do. In Hebrews, in chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, you need to uh, know that one because it says, For the word of God... It's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account on judgment day. So we need to understand that God's word, there is nothing more powerful than praying the scriptures and putting your husband or wife's name in it. And that's what I finally ended up doing, as you've heard or read or possibly a devotional you've read about it, that we, I pray the word of God because God's word will not return void. And that says that in Isaiah. And it says, 
cry out to the Lord. And it says, pray without ceasing. And in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, when I went to a counselor one day and I wanted to tell the, how, him how bad the situation was at home, he was the most profound man of God and I did not listen to him. I was just wanted his empathy and oh, you poor person and you know you poor thing and let me call Bob in and let me just ream him out and uh, he didn't do that he says God's given me a scripture to give you today and I said okay and I'm expecting this great scripture and it says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 through 18 and it says be joyful always now, that wasn't the scripture I wanted because I was very upset, angry, and mad. And it says, be joyful always. Pray continually. That means pray without ceasing. Pray all the time, Charlene. And I wasn't doing that either. And then it says, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That moment, if I will do all these things, he will touch and change my heart and make everything different. So I'm going to run out of time now, but I want to know that. Go to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 says very quickly, I do not know what to do. Jehoshaphat had a huge army coming against him, but he started fasting and praying, and he took all the people. And you can see the scriptures that, he's, that it has in there. And it says, you know, do not. Let me just read the very, this will probably be my ending. Not too bad. Second Chronicles 20. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Is that what you're praying today? Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. He said, and then this king and this prophet came and said, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the, uh, because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And verse, jump down to Second Chronicles twenty seventeen. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And then go down a little bit further to verse 20. It says, have faith in the Lord, your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in God. Mark 11 says, have faith in God. If you say to this mountain to be gone, it will be gone and thrown into the sea. You need to know the word, and we need to walk in faith, and we need to understand the promises of God and stand on the promises of God. We need to trust the Lord, as in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, or Psalm verse, uh, 9, verse 10. Will you run the race with perseverance and tenacities? Um, Philippians says, just as I said at the very beginning, with we have London doing the Olympics, but we need to run the race to the end, that we don't give up in the middle of our stand, that we become weary and we say we just can't do it. How long do I have to do it, Lord? Till the Lord brings your spouse home and you have your marriage restored. That's how long. 
You've been listening to Charlene Steinkamp. You can write the Steinkamps at P.O. Box 10548, Papano Beach, Florida, 33061. The Steinkamps also invite you to visit their website at rejoiceministries.org.